big shout out to Kawaii Poltergeist and Lucid Lupus for joining me. I really hope you guys enjoy them. I'll have links to their channels in the description down below, as well as timestamps, and I'll also put it in the comment section so you can find it a little more easier. Thank you so much and enjoy. To start, let me explain myself. I'm 5'7", 113 pounds, and I was 16 at the time of the encounter. I'm a multi-sport athlete, track, handball, volleyball, basketball, and hockey, and I have insomnia. This all happened around 2am on August 10th of 2019. I've been over to my best friend's place because she had just returned home from a vacation, and she had birthday presents for me. Hoodies and gummies, if you're curious. I had spent almost an hour there already, and wanted to head back home soon because honestly, my town is scary at night. Drug dealers, serious offenders, and you know, the deal. So I wave goodbye to my best friend and start walking down her street. I guess a party had just let out, because behind me at the end of the road, about 20 or 30 yards from where I was standing, there were a couple of men walking across the crosswalk. They were both pretty tall, I'm guessing between 5'11 and 6'3. The two seemed harmless at first when I looked in their direction, but soon they came to a stop. They were both looking at me. At this point I felt uncomfortable, so I just kept walking. That's when I heard one of them said, Hey, that's a girl. At this point I whipped my head around. They were starting to walk in my direction now, and one of the two men had moved towards the sidewalk, where there was no light. I knew at this point that something wasn't right, and I began to pick up my pace. They were still getting closer, and I didn't know where the second guy was, but when I looked back, the first guy was still following me down the middle of the road. I think they were planning to cut me off and try to trap me between the two of them. The minute I was about 13 yards away from the T intersection, I started to run, and that's when the yelling started. Ah, oh, great, now she's running! I hooked a sharp right and then left. I could still hear them behind me, and at this point, all I knew was that I couldn't stop moving. I had to lose them somehow. I was coming up to an apartment building with a small parking lot behind it. There were no lights. I made a split-second decision to veer off into the parking lot, and I squeezed myself under one of the cars. I don't know how long I waited there. It could have been a minute, but it felt like a lifetime. I watched the two men run past. They didn't bother to check under the cars, which was definitely in my favor. The minute I felt that I was safe, I backtracked and took a different route back to my home. I was too scared to take the main route. In the fear, I would have been bumped into them. I know what I'm about to say is stupid, but I didn't go to the police. I wouldn't have been able to give a proper description of the men, because I hadn't seen their faces. If there's anything I have learned from my experience, it's that no matter who you are, you need to be extremely careful. You can think that the part of the town or city that you live in is safe, but that really isn't the case. There is no protective barrier to keep out people with bad intentions. Please, whatever you do, watch your surroundings as if your life depends on it. If I had been listening to my music or not paying attention, 
I hate to think what could have happened to me. I hope that no one else has to experience the fear that I did. It was almost like prey being chased by predators. And to the two men who followed me, let's never meet again. Take it back to 2007 to 2008. I was 16 when this began, 18 to 19 when it finally went to court. Picture a Norman Rockwell escape suburban family, parents, three kids, a yard and a dog in a blink and you'll miss it USA. One random day, a neighbor man has a mild dispute with his neighbor as a totally warranted response. Neighbor man takes every hose he has and floods their yard. Solid decisions lead to solid consequences. So naturally he was fine for water waste. My parents run the water in small town USA. And because the neighbor lived in a block from us, he decided to drive over to the water district, shouting that he was an acquaintance of my parent. Second saw the decision of many to come from my neighbor. Absolutely no one takes kindly to name droppers. Folks, so tuck that gem away under life facts. My parents come in and tells him even if their kids did this, they would have the same repercussions. Gracefully glossing over the fact that other than maybe driving by one another, none of us actually has ever interacted with a neighbor. Neighbor repeats the name of the man working the front desk, as well as my parents' name and claims. It's personal now, and storms out. My family member and I began to see the neighbor at random places, constantly the DMV, the grocery store, or our respective jobs. Apparently when you're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and your parents pay for your house, you have all this kind of time to stock. It went from random sightings while out and about to phone calls, the cliche 90s type of call, breathe, and hang up, and... I can see you, Variety. At this point, neighbor was more of an annoyance than scary. But as I have stated, when you underestimate crazy, you lose every time. Neighbor began parking across from our house, staying from 6pm to 4am, literally just sitting in his car, blasting music, staring at the house, fool must have had dementia, and bladder of a racehorse, because... Who the fuck sits in there for 10-ish hours? His music was trash too. Maybe he was a masochist and into self-harm, seeing how long he could suffer through shitty music and a full bladder. I doubt anyone with a semi-rational concept of social interaction could fathom why. This went on for three to four times a week to a nightly occurrence. Imagine being a 16-year-old female that doesn't even feel comfortable to change in a room because of the prospect of him possibly seeing through the blind somehow, trying to sleep knowing he's out there. We were prisoners in our own home. He began to get bolder. Neighbor drove his car speeding and up onto the sidewalk at my siblings and her partner while they're on the sidewalk out from coming home from a date. They both had to physically jump out of the way to avoid getting hit. He made lewd gestures at me when I bought my dog out for a walk, and was waiting for my sibling to come out and join us on the walk. It was so bad I ended up crying and going inside. This had been going on for a year at this point, 
The cops always said the same thing. There's nothing we can do. Unless there is a threat made against you or someone is harmed. My parents confronted, meaning tired of his shit, and asking him what he thinks he's doing. Neighbor in the street after my incident. To which neighbor called the cops and they came asking us why we were harassing and threatening. I will never understand why the system waits until you are a victim, rather than prevent someone from being victimized. Almost two years in and it's Christmas time. My parent had a brain aneurysm. Fortunately, they made it through without any lingering effects, which is extremely rare. I convinced my other parent, who had been living at the hospital with their sick partner, to come home and shower and eat. About 9pm, we get a knock at the door. A random man in ratty clothing, holding a Christmas present, says he's here to deliver it to my family name. We ask him who sent him, and he says he can't say. We ask who he works for, and he shoves the gift at my parent and leaves. We are obviously uncomfortable to open it. Parent decides they need to know what it is and opens the present. Inside is a 17-page document of the grounds of why neighbor is suing my parent. That was currently in the hospital. Even I could tell it was fake with the grammatical errors and typos. Neighbor took the time to sit and type this thing up himself, thinking it would scare us. The document and fake details he put in did not. The fact this 40-something-year-old man was so fixated on our family that he sat and typed a 17-page fake document did scare us. Things progressed and Neighbor began pacing in front of his car and pretending to have phone calls where he talked about pushing my parent down the stairs, knowing we were kids and where we went to school and worked and how easy it would be to have access to us anytime. At that time, I worked a closing shift and it let off about 1am. He would be parked next to my car and follow me home. One time I even tried to take random roads and he still stayed right behind me, pulling up to the house with neighbor parked across the street. Think neighborhood street with maybe five feet between the car parked on one side and one on the other, and having to get out and run to the door was a nightmare. We were all exhausted from not only the aneurysm scare, but also living looking over our shoulders. My parents' friend told her friend, who is a DA, about the situation. She called and came over and took her case on pro bono. Testifying was a wild ride. We had to put in official statements prior to being called to the stand. We weren't allowed to be in the room with a family member when testifying, nor were we allowed to talk in the halls as we waited for our turn. Imagine reliving two plus years of traumatic experiences, being cross-examined when you're made out to be a liar, and then not being able to have your family comfort you for support afterwards. It wasn't very ideal. There was enough to put him away for a year and a half, as well as grant a felony restraining order. We moved while he was still incarcerated. My sister passed while he was in prison, and he immediately tried to sue her estate. She was 21 at her death, when he was released. He claimed that her testimony from him running his car at her, and her partner was false, and the only reason he was locked up, not the case as there was harassment and stalking charges, 
and that the money people donated to his GoFundMe for her accident was entitled to him. There's so many more details, but this is already long enough. So, neighbor, let's never, ever meet again. You made us prisoners in our home for years. Clearly, you're still the same and have not learned a thing from your time of being locked up. To put this into context, I'm an 18-year-old girl living in New Zealand. I suffer from anxiety and shut down in stressful situations, and become rather overwhelmed when I'm not sure how to deal with something. This story happened yesterday, whilst I was waiting at my bus station to catch a bus home. I had a long day at work and my legs were in pain, and all I wanted to do was go home and watch some YouTube in bed. It was getting dark and the sun was almost completely down. As I was listening to some music in a rather deserted area of the bus station, a man considerably larger than myself serenaded up and sat down directly next to me on the bench, which I didn't think too much of. To put this into perspective, I'm roughly 55 kilograms. He must have been at least 100 and could have easily overpowered me. I noticed out of the corner of my eye that this man was staring at me and began to feel a little uncomfortable, but pegged it up to him looking at my mask. It's rather nondescript and just black. I ignored this and acted busy on my phone to avoid talking. As I said, I had a long day at work. The man began to talk and pulled out my AirPod to listen to what he was saying. The AirPod fell and landed on the ground to which she picked it up for me, held on to it and stared at it for at least a second before handing it back to me. I was already getting bad vibes from this man. The conversation went something like this. Your eyes are beautiful. Did you get them from your mom or dad? Um, my mom, I guess. I kept my reply short to try to signify I wasn't in the mood for talking, but he continued. What bus are you catching? Where do you live? I laughed nervously and told him I didn't feel very comfortable sharing where I lived. But I told him it was further up north. He then said, Why? It's not like I'm going to touch you. Isn't it really fancy up there? That's where I began to feel seriously uncomfortable and began to shake. He asked if I had a boyfriend, to which I said yes and he proceeded to ask if I had any plans to marry him, to which I laughed and said yes. Oh, it kind of sounds like you're just rooting him. Are you sure you want to marry him? I was shocked and looked at him before telling him again, yes, I do plan to marry my partner. How old are you? I don't know what came over me, but I told him I was 21, to try and make it across that I was old enough to stand up for myself. Are you on the pill? I'm sorry? I didn't feel comfortable sharing that, and I don't see why you need to know that. Oh, so you use condoms instead, eh? I wanted to walk away, but I was grounded to the bench, and I couldn't move a muscle if I tried. I was uncomfortable and confused as to why he was asking these questions. Do you have someone waiting for you at the bus stop, or are you walking home? How far do you live from the bus stop? This is the question that made everything click into place. 
and I realized this guy had a malicious intent. He's not being friendly. This man is going to follow me home and either touch me or kidnap me. I started to really panic and started desperately looking for onlookers. A young man, possibly my age, walked out of the public bathroom. And I had overheard this conversation he was looking at the predator rather skeptically. I knew then that I'd at least have someone to help if I just asked for it. I didn't. By this point, I recalled a video from r slash about a highly pregnant woman and her daughter being followed in the car to an empty car park in the dark by an older man. This lady was stressfully trying to find her keys in her purse as this man was standing beside her daughter on the opposite side of the car making small talk with them. He got impatient and walked away before she found her keys. Someone commented on her subreddit saying that this was a popular thing, that he was waiting for her to unlock the car so he would get in and control her via threats of her child. It occurred to me that I should skip my bus and catch another one at a later time. I did this exactly. He kept trying to ask where I live and I continued refusing to tell him. He also continued to ask how far I lived from the stop and if my partner was waiting for me. I deflected all of his questions and after about 40 minutes, he began to get grumpy and walked away from the station. He wasn't there to catch a bus at all, but to prey on a young woman at a bus stop. I caught my bus about 10 minutes after he left and I ran home where I completely broke down and cried in my arms to my partner. This morning I was so stressed I contemplated taking the day off of work and staying in bed for the rest of the day. I was petrified. I didn't. I'm at work posting this. After that I've definitely decided that perhaps let's not meet again. There was nothing special about the pizza place where I worked. It offered your run-of-the-mill dough strategically covered in enough grease to trick your mind into thinking that it actually tasted good. There was nothing glamorous about my job. I didn't get to make great discoveries or save lives, but it was a job that paid the bills. Bills. My rent was due tomorrow. My gut clenched, reminding me of my account balance. My tips tonight would determine if I'd be paying it on time or not. I barely heard the screen chime as the online order came in. One small pizza was salami, olives, and sausages. Simple enough, I thought. I created the artery-killing monster and gave it to the delivery driver, Carl. He glared down at the address and scoffed. 19th South Street? That's like two blocks away. Lazy bastard couldn't even walk over for it? Hey, delivery gives better tips. Remember, you owe me half. I said and wondered if the desperation came through my voice. Carl turned and waved his hand in the air, like a child waving off a nagging mother trying to remind her son to wash behind his ears. He wasn't gone ten minutes before he was back. Pizza box still in hand. Lazy bastard didn't even answer the door. I tried calling, no answer. Want to split it? I eyed the pizza, as sick as I was of it, and I had barely eaten today. 
Yeah, sure. What's on it? Um, salami, olives, and sausages. Yeah, never mind. That's all like yours. I shrugged and broke the seal on the box. It was a sticker that promised and lied about only using fresh ingredients. I took a bite into the first piece. It was salty. The toppings were an overwhelming choice. It felt good in my stomach, filling me up more than my lunch of ramen had. As I walked home that night, the pizza wasn't settling quite as well as it had been. Too much junk, I told myself. Not enough food. My stomach turned harder when I saw the flashing lights ahead of me. Five police cars. And an ambulance in front of a small house. My walking slowed as I got closer. A group of people had gathered around the police tape, warded off by the force field of yellow and black lines. I walked to the nearest group and motioned towards the house with a nod of my head. An old lady near me sighed. Boyfriend held his girlfriend hostage inside, snapped, and killed her when she had tried to escape. God rest her soul. She was just a young thing. I looked back at the crime scene, noticing the house numbers beneath the smear of blood. My breath caught my throat and I struggled not to choke. My eyes watered. 19th South Street. The same house had ordered that pizza. Salami, olives, sausage. Yesterday, Todd made it his mission to sleep with as many women as possible. He managed a whopping 37 in just 24 hours, an insurmountable amount for the average day. But this was not an average day. I mean, who was going to say no to some sex? He didn't know he'd soon be the father of six illegitimate children, or he wouldn't have done it. Yesterday, Anne snapped and slit the throat of her toxic ex-husband. The neighbors walked by and saw the whole thing through the window, but simply looked at each other, shrugged, and kept walking. Anne continued her day as usual, leaving the still warm body on her floor. She didn't know she'd be arrested for murder, or she wouldn't have done it. Yesterday, Lacey took her husband and kids on a drive on the winding roads next to the ocean. Her hands shook as she gripped the wheel while her kids sat oblivious in the back. She and her husband shared a meaningful look as she jerked the car to the right and into the crashing ocean waves. She didn't know she'd be shunned while laying six feet under, or she wouldn't have done it. Yesterday, the news was announced that an unsurvivable asteroid was heading straight for Earth. Yesterday, the world erupted into unprecedented chaos as everyone had to decide what to do with their last 24 hours. But today, utter and complete pandemonium occurred. Because the asteroid missed. The Crying Library by Character Mood 4 Thank you for signing up to spend a day at The Crying Library. We know you love haunted homes and the adrenaline rush from jump scares. 
but we doubt you've been to one where your life is truly in danger. If you are a thrill seeker, like I once was, you will have a wonderful time here. Just agree to the following terms, and you will find yourself in the crying library tomorrow morning. Rule number one. In the event of your death, the crying library will not be held responsible. That being said, we will do what we can to keep you alive. Rule number two. The crying library was named after the monster who inhibits it, known as the crying librarian. You will likely see it walking around multiple times during your stay. When it walks within 10 feet of you, hold your breath. This will keep it from seeing you. It cannot stand uninvited guests. Rule number three. The books on the shelves contain wonderful knowledge about the universe, much of it unknown to humans like you. The higher shelves have the greatest information of all, if your human mind can even comprehend it. It is a great risk to climb up the ladder to get those books though, as the crying librarian will hear your footsteps. If it spots you on the ladder, there is no hope. Rule number four. There are 27 shelves in each room containing separately colored books. If you see a shelf containing multicolored books, don't take anything from it. It's a trap. You will read things you don't deserve to suffer through. Rule number five. Don't go through any door unless you can see what's on the other side. You won't like what you find or, more accurately, what you find won't like you. Rule number six. The walls are closing in on you. Don't spend more than 30 minutes in a room if you want to guarantee an exit other than the cellar. You need to be careful. Those books will suck you in and you will lose track of time. Rule number seven. Do not enter the cellar unless it is your last resort. It is a door that will always be behind you. Just walk backwards to reach it. In there, you will find a snake with an evil grin. It will ask you a question relating to morals or philosophy. The answer to the question will be a quote from the last book you read here. You only have two minutes to answer. If you get it right, you will be able to leave the library in peace. If you get it wrong though, refer to rule number one. And lastly, rule number eight. The only other way out of the library, besides the cellar door, is to trust the man you spot in the corner of your eye. You will understand this when you've been in the library for a very, very long time. Thank you for going over the guidelines to the crying library. Please check one of the two boxes to confirm if you agree or disagree with these terms. Last night, my uncle sent me a text asking me to help his moving crew with an important job. Only people we can trust, it said. Short notice, so you'll get a bonus. You in? Sure. The first half of the job was simple. We went to a four bedroom on the snobby side of town and moved some expensive furniture into the trucks. Everyone there had been working for my uncle since they started the company all trusted guys who could be discreet. The weirdness started when we were getting ready to bring the first haul into the new place. My uncle handed me a reusable grocery bag. Gotta wear this over your head. 
They don't want anyone to know where they live. I scoffed. What? Are we going to a witness protection or something? The opposite, he said. Now put the bag on. Without further complaint, I did. After a long drive, my uncle poked my shoulder. Take the bag off. We're here. I removed the bag and realized we were on the dirt road, surrounded by trees. I couldn't see anything in the distance that I recognized. No skyscrapers, no towers, not even Mount Hood. Damn, we're in the middle of nowhere, aren't we? That's the entire point, my uncle said. Now let's get to work. I looked ahead and saw only the end of the dirt road. Where? My uncle stepped forward, moving on the ground every few steps until we heard a metal clang. He got on one knee, brushed the dirt aside, and uncovered the handle for a set of double doors. This is really heavy. Help me open it. We raised the first door together, and I realized that it was covering a darkened staircase. <laughs> Fuck me, it's a bomb shelter. Doomsday shelter, my uncle corrected, setting the door down. <laughs> Same thing, I argued, grabbing my side of the second door. No, a bomb shelter is for bombs. A doomsday shelter is for the end of the world. Now shut up and help me with this. Whatever. I grumbled, pulling up the second door. I expected the shelter to be tiny, maybe even a couple of rooms. Instead, we found complex large rooms decorated with black banners of roses. As we carried the furniture down the hallways, we passed windows to other people's houses, all completely furnished and ready for people to move in. The client's house was empty. We arrived, and we started unloading all of their belongings into it. As I brought a box full of a little girl's clothes into one of the rooms, I looked back and I realized something. Uh, hey, uncle. Where are the owners? Are they moving in? Most of them don't know we're doing this. I stopped in my tracks. What the fuck does that mean? We're moving all of their stuff. My uncle sighed. Like I told you, this is a doomsday shelter. For the fortunate to survive the end of the world. That reminds me. Pack your things tonight. Hello. My name is Lucid Lupus. I'm a horror narrator and a voice actor here on YouTube. I do a variety of horror content such as Let's Not Meet, Creepypastas, No Sleep, and the Fetch Arbuckle Show every Sunday. Consider stopping by. I'm also a man of many voices, but that's all for now. Consider stopping by and I look forward to interacting and meeting each and every one of you eventually. So with that being said, make sure the lights are off, grab a blanket, grab some headphones, and let's sink right into the story with good old Lucid. As always, the dark is simply the answer. Around the time I was either in 8th or 10th grade, I was extremely involved in the small building server. The average age was probably 15 or 17, and I joined a group of builders and Skyped with them every weekend for hours. We all became close fast and trusted each other enough that we followed each other on Instagram. I became particularly close 
with one of the builders in my friend group named Peter. Peter was in the same grade as me, and we ended up texting quite a lot. I heard rumors that Peter might have a crush on me. He denied them, which I found laughable because it was the internet and brushed it off. Everything was fine for a while until something began to feel off when I talked to him. I was starting to constantly catch him telling small lies. This bothered me, so I figured it was time to distance myself from Peter, and I stopped talking to him. Cut to a few months later of no contact, and Peter out of the blue texts me that he's going to be possibly transferring to my high school so he can get in state tuition for college. Peter's plan is to somehow live completely alone and support himself while he's in high school. My stomach drops when I read the text, and I know this feels very, very off. I try to be calm, and I tell him that his plan is crazy. I tell him that it's oddly convenient that he chose my random suburb. Peter insists that his plan will work, and it's just a coincidence that he's going to my high school. I'm trying to call Peter's bluff, and hope he is just screwing with me because I cut him off. Peter says he bought the plane tickets already and is going to stay in my town and to visit some high school in the area. Fear then washes over me and I realize Peter definitely has some very unhealthy attachment to me. Peter was not bluffing. My whore. He posts a picture on Snapchat at the airport. Peter asks to meet up while he's there and I of course decline. Later, I see in his Snapchat story that he is taking a tour of my high school. Peter is taking lots of videos and pictures, probably hoping that I can see him. Luckily, I am stuck at home with pneumonia. I spend the next few days on edge and afraid he's going to ring my doorbell at any moment. Luckily, he was not smart enough to find where I live, and he flies home but does not follow his plan. Baffling part was, not of my old group on the Minecraft server thought he was doing anything creepy. I felt like I was going crazy for thinking this was weird. I thought my rejection for this meetup and continued no contact would be the end of it. But about two years later, and I just committed to my dream college. I still followed Peter on social media because I wanted some warning if he came to my area. Once again, Peter did. I see him posing in front of the library at my college with the caption saying, transferring here is definitely the move. Cut to a few months later, Peter finds out I had a boyfriend and directly contacts me for the first time in two years. Starts asking strange questions like, Will he protect you? I shouldn't have answered. But for some odd reason, I did. I finally blocked him and stopped following him on social media out of fear. He has not tried to contact me since though. Definitely made some mistakes because I was young and scared and had others telling me it was not a big deal.
So Peter, if you're reading this, let's not meet. Hey friends, thanks for checking out today's video. If you haven't yet, please make sure to hit that like and subscribe button to be notified when I drop a new video or stream. Also be sure to check out my video's description, as I've hidden the link to my OnlyFans, and my Discord server and merch, also my social medias. And remember, I don't actually have an OnlyFans, but I made you look, didn't I?